The following broadcast is brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International. Now, won't you welcome all the way from London, England, one of the most peculiar evangelists I've ever met in my life, the canon in the Church of England, canon J. John. I love him so much. I love you too. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome. Give him a great Thank God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Please be seated. My wife, Killy, and I, honestly, we love your pastors, Pastor Rodney and Adonica, uh, and we like them. Because you know, as Christians, you're meant to love everyone, but it doesn't mean you like them. <laughs> but not only do we love them, but we like them, and we have truly been blessed um, through them in so many ways for so many years. And it's just wonderful being here. People often ask me, J. John, what do you actually do? And I like to be very creative in telling people what I do. Because if I tell them that I'm an evangelist, that conjures up images in people's minds as to what I might be. And I sat on an airplane at Heathrow Airport in London next to this woman, and I said, hello. And she said, oh, hello. I said, where are you going? She says, I'm going to Singapore. Then she said to me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. I said, what do you do? So she told me. And then she said, what do you do? And I said, well, I work for a global enterprise. She says, do you? I said, yes, I do. I said, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. Have you? I said, yes, we have. I said, we've got orphanages, hospitals, hospices, homeless shelters. We do educational work. We do feeding programs, justice work reconciliation work, marriage work. I said, basically, we look after people from birth to death, and we deal in the area of behavioral alteration. She went, wow. And people turned around and looked at us because she shouted so loudly. She says, what's it called? I said, it's called the church. Have you heard of it? <laughs> That's what we do. We are part of this global enterprise that's been birthed by Jesus. Now, I began to speak to the woman, and within a very few minutes, it became very obvious as I listened to her, that her understanding of Christianity was a misunderstanding. And that is true today for so many people. Their understanding of Christianity is a misunderstanding. And Pastor Rodney has asked me this morning to explain to you what is Christianity. So that's what I'm going to do now. I'm going to explain it to you. For those of you that may not know, or you're not quite sure, you're not quite sure how to articulate it, I hope that you will understand as you listen. For those of you that maybe used to be Christians, but you got distracted, diverted, maybe even derailed, I pray that as you listen, you may come to an understanding of what it means and why you should come back. For th those of us that are already Christians, I hope as you listen, 
you may be thinking and feeling, yes, that's what I believe. That's what I believe. So whether you're here, whether you're online, listen carefully. So I'm going to explain it to you. When I conclude, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Christ or come back to Christ. And those of you that are here, I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seats, out of the rows, and I'm going to ask you to come and stand here at the front. I'm telling you that now so that you know I'm going to tell you that later. <laughs> so you're not surprised. There's a, a wonderful verse in the Bible located in John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 16. And it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That one verse sums up the essence of what the Christian message is about. Christianity is an invitation. And it is what I love to call the great invitation. It is the great invitation. Now, if you're anything like me, I'm sure you appreciate invitations. I mean, even if you can't go, you think, well, at least they thought of me. Isn't it? It's nice, isn't it? Now, when you get an invitation to a wedding or something like a wedding, you get the invitation card and then at the bottom you find the letters RSVP. What do they stand for? There was this professor from another country visiting England and he was teaching for a semester with his wife. While he was there, he received a wedding invitation, bottom of the card, RSVP. They didn't have that code back in their country. So the professor was trying to crack the code. He says to his wife, yes! His wife said, what? He said, RSVP, remember some wedding present. The professor thought it was a demand, but actually it was an offer. Now, you and I, we know what those letters stand for. They're French. They stand for respondez s'il vous plaît, which basically means, are you going to come? <laughs> and people put the date. So if you don't reply by the date, you can't go. Every single one of us is being offered the Christian invitation today, RSVP Sunday, the 30th of April, 2023. Will we be offered it tomorrow? Don't know. You're like, what do you mean you don't know? I don't know. You're like, well, well why don't you know if I'm going to be offered it tomorrow? Listen, none of us can guarantee that we're going to be alive tomorrow. That's why it's so important to reply to the invitation while you're still alive. When you get an invitation, there are three things you want to know. One, who is it from? Two, who is it to? Three, what is it about? Let's answer those three questions. Question one, who's it from? Back to our verse, for God. It starts with God, G-O-D. Now, what does G-O-D mean? What does that mean? When the first Russian astronaut returned from space, first interview, first question, did you see God? 
He said, no, I did not. And the Soviet Union heralded this as proof that God did not exist. When the first American astronaut returned from space, first interview, fourth question, did you see God? He said, I would have seen God had I stepped out of my spacesuit. I love it. You see, the Russian and the, Ash and the American had two different understandings of the word God. A little boy said to his mother, mother, is God in the house? The mother thought, yes, and said to her son, yes, he is in the house. The little boy said, mommy, if God's in the house, is he in the kitchen? So the mother thought, well, if he's in the house, he's got to be in the kitchen. Yes, he is. The little boy said, Mum, if God's in the house and he's in the kitchen, you know the marmalade jar without the top on it, is he in the marmalade jar? Well, what do you think? Go on, what do you think? Do you think he's in the marmalade jar? What do you think? Oh, a lot of you think he's in the marmalade jar. So a lot of you think when the kettle's boiling, God's in there having a sauna. <laughs> no, it's just good to know what you believe, isn't it? And the mother thought, well, God's in the house, God's in the kitchen. Yes, he must be in the marmalade jar. Yes, he is. And the little boy went, I've got him. <laughs> you know, a lot of people try to do that. But God is un. Boxable. You cannot box God in. You cannot say this is God. Many people today ask the wrong questions. If you ask the wrong questions, you can never get the right answers. The right question to ask is Has God revealed Himself? Yes. And the Bible says God has revealed himself in creation. The whole of creation is crying out to get our attention. But many people who enjoy creation, they enjoy the mountains, they enjoy the sea, they're not always interested in the creator. But the Bible says that creation is crying out. God has spoken through history, but God's greatest revelation of himself for all time, for all cultures, for all people, for all nations was in Jesus Christ. The invisible God became visible in Jesus. The intangible God became tangible in Jesus. The unknowable God became knowable in Jesus. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the creator of the entire universe and the entire cosmos. The invitation is from him. It's from him. Who to? Back to the verse. For God so loved the world. Every single one of us. We are all being offered the invitation. Now, just because we don't acknowledge it, it does not mean we're not being offered it. What is Christianity about? Okay, here's the Bible. The Bible's got 800,000 words in it. My wife and I, we try and read through the whole Bible once a year, every year. Just every year. We try, that's what we try and do, every year. 800,000 words in here. What is it about? Do you know what it's about? It's about three things. Three things. Everything else in the Bible is commentary and application on these three things. One, forgiveness from the past. Repeat that. One, forgiveness from 
the past. Do you agree with the following statement? There are problems in the world today. We agree, don't we? There are problems globally. There are problems socially. There are problems domestically. There are problems personally. Now, many governments of the world, many charities, many social agencies are trying to alleviate the symptoms. But if you try and alleviate the symptoms, you're always going to have the symptoms unless you deal with the root cause. So the question is, what is the root cause of everything that's wrong in the world today? A mother said to her husband, look after Annie for me, their little daughter, because the mother needed to get on. The father said, of course. He thought, what could he do to occupy his little daughter? He's flicking through a magazine and he sees a map of the world. He says to his daughter, watch what I'm going to do. He cut the map of the world into small squares and he muddled the squares on the floor. He said, Annie, I want you to put the squares back together again like a puzzle to make the map of the world. So the father thought that'll keep her occupied, keep her busy. Couple of minutes later, Daddy, Daddy, I've done it. And he's like, I don't think you have, but let me have a look. He went to have a look. All the squares were put in exactly the right place. He said to her, how did you know where to put all the squares? Ah, she said, when you were cutting the map out, I looked on the other side and I saw a picture of a man and a woman and I thought if I could put the man and the woman back together again, I could put the world back together again. The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Repeat, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Just say that to somebody today. You know, when you buy coffee or whatever, just as you put your order in, did you know that the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart? Just see what their reaction is. That is the heart of the problem It's the human heart. And the Bible word for that is sin. It is out of the human heart that come the seeds that affect, pollute our lives, our relationships, our families, our communities. It's the human heart. Let me illustrate it for you in a slightly different way. Just imagine you passed out of this life now. This is just an illustration. You woke up in a gigantic theater on your own. In front of you is a huge screen. All of a sudden, the doors open, an angel flies in, comes up to you and says, welcome to the theater of judgment. Watch the screen. There on the screen you see your life. Everything you ever did here on earth. Everything you ever said here on earth. Everything you ever thought here on earth. And you see everything that you should have done but you didn't do. At the end of the film, as you're recovering, The angel comes back and says, relax, there's going to be a second showing. All the people who were featured in the film of your life are all waiting outside. We're just going to let them in to view your life a second time. How would you feel if your life were judged on that basis? That's exactly how God judges us. 
but God does it in a second. I don't know about you, me, I would not want a private viewing, let alone a public viewing of my life. I do not need convincing. I have thought, said, done things that I shouldn't have, and there are things I should have done, but I didn't do. Now, many people think all that stuff on the film doesn't matter. It does. It has consequences. It disconnects us from God. And it works a bit like an overdraft in a bank account. If you have an overdraft, I have an overdraft, you can't help me, I can't help you. The only one who can help us is someone in credit. Jesus was the only one in credit. That's why Jesus came into this world to do something for us. My wife and I, we, we have three sons. When, when our firstborn, Michael, he was about four years of age, he and I went to buy for his mum a Mother's Day gift. So Michael and I are going around the stores looking for a Mother's Day gift. We walk into one big store, and as we walk into the store, there was a huge sign right in front of us, and it said this, do not touch. All breakages must be purchased. I mean, why didn't I just walk out, really? Not only because I've got a four-year-old and I know what he's like, but I'm a little bit clumsy as well. But there is something fascinating about those words. Do not touch. They're magnetic. You read them, do not touch, and there's rebellion. You feel it, you feel rebellion, and you're like, I'm not going to have, and, 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 and we kind of went in, and I remember going with my elbow, <laughs> like that. But my little Michael, it wasn't just a little touch, and I kind of saw it out the corner of my eye as he knocked this thing over, and it was like slow motion, and I was like, no, and it just fell to the ground, Push, smashed. The manager came out of nowhere. <laughs> Stood, didn't say a word, pointed to the sign. Do not touch. All breakages must be purchased. And I said, I didn't do it. He did it. <laughs> I didn't do it. And I thought, why don't I walk out and I'll leave Michael in the store? He can pay the damages. He broke it, he should pay for it. No, there is absolutely no way that four-year-old Michael could pay for the damages. Only his daddy could pay for the damages. There is no way you and I can pay for the damages. Only our Heavenly Father can pay for the damages. And Jesus came into this world to pay them with his blood. There was a famous artist, and he went back to the very small rural community where he was born and he was brought up. He's just walking around looking at some of the stores. There's an antique shop. In the window, he can't believe it, is one of his paintings that he had painted years before he was famous. The frame was broken. The picture was scratched and dirty but it was his. 
But he couldn't go into the store and say to the manager, that's my painting, give it back to me. If he wanted it back, he had to buy it back before he could clean it, before he could restore it, before he could reframe it. That is what Jesus did on the cross. He died on the cross to buy us back so that we could be cleaned, we could be restored, we could be reframed. And we heard those beautiful testimonies earlier on from that lovely lady. She experienced that, as have hundreds and thousands of us and millions of us throughout the centuries. Forgiveness from the past. I was not brought up as a Christian. And I went to college in London. And at that time, I called myself agnostic. Did you know that the Latin for the word agnostic is ignoramus? <laughs> you know when people come up to me and, and they might say they're an agnostic, I kind of look at them and think, you are, you are. But I met a Christian and the Christian gave me a Bible and he, he helped me read and understand and I received Christ on the 9th of February, 1975. My mother said to me, you're brainwashed. I said to her, mum, my brain has been washed. If you only knew what was in my brain, you'd be pleased it got washed. When people say to me, oh, you're brainwashed, I say, yes, I am. Forgiveness from the past. Secondly, new life here today. Number one, forgiveness from the past. Number one, forgiveness from the past. Number two, new life here today. New life here today. It's not just pie in the sky when you die. It's steak on a plate while you wait. It's now. New life, now. New life. The word Christian has got the word Christ in it. If you remove the word Christ from the word Christian, you're left with I-A-N. Ian isn't gonna help you. I'm sure he's a nice guy. He might make you a cup of coffee, but he's not gonna change your life. You, you cannot be a Christian without being connected to Christ. Think of your life, think of your life like a car, okay? The car of your life. So using that analogy, to be a Christian means Christ is in your car. And if he's not in your car, he's not in your life, then today, this afternoon, invite him into your life. Now, for many of us, the majority of us here, Jesus is in the car, he's in the car. Great, he's in the car. Where is he in the car? Do you drive your car to church, unlock the trunk, get Jesus out for a religious happy hour? At the end of the service, get back in there. I mean, there are some people who express their faith on a Sunday morning but you would never know the rest of the week. Other people have got Jesus on the back seat of the car, a bit of a passenger. Others have got him in the front passenger seat, a bit of a companion, but still a bit of a passenger. And some people have got Jesus in the driving seat of their 
lives. Now, for every one of us who thought Jesus is in the driving seat of the car of our lives, I have one more question for you. Are you a backseat driver? The car gets to an intersection. Jesus turns left. Where are you going? I'm going down the road of forgiveness. I don't want to forgive. You know, it's very easy, isn't it, to say, oh, yeah, Jesus is in my car. Jesus is in my life. Oh, yes, Jesus is driving me. But I know the challenge. You know, did you ever see the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding when it came out? I'm, I'm Greek. When that movie came out, a friend of mine said, John, is that what Greek culture is like? I said, no, it's worse. <laughs> Many of you, you understand the power of culture. My, my mother is a travel agent for guilt trips. <laughs> She's just a typical Greek mother. You know, if I want to feel guilty, call my mother, you know. I mean, at the moment, she's having a go about my hair because she keeps going, I'm using the wrong shampoo. <laughs> but you know, forgive, 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 forgive. How many times, Lord? How many times? 70 times seven. Well, I've exceeded that. <laughs> keep forgiving, keep forgiving, keep forgiving. Sometimes, the car gets to an intersection. Jesus turns right. Where are you going? You know, I'm going down the road of generosity. Many people, who, uh, you have here in this church because of Pastor Rodney, but in most places around the world, they've never heard the Sermon on the Amount. know? How do we know Jesus is first? How do we know he's in the driving seat? Take the word first, F-I-R-S-T. Ask five questions. Ask five questions. This is a little like a test, okay? Ask five questions to work out where he's positioned in your life. F-I-R-S-T. Is he first in your finances? I. Is he first in your interests? R. Is he first in your relationships? You know, this is what I don't get about Christian couples who kind of want to get a divorce. It's like, look, if Jesus is first in, in my wife's life and Jesus is first in my husband's life, then Jesus isn't going to fight Jesus. If there, if there was a valid reason why they have to, and, and on occasions, there may be, but sometimes it seems ridiculous. Is he first in my finances, interests, relationships? S, is he first in my schedule? King David said, I will set my watch. I, I will pray morning, noon, and night. All throughout the day, my schedule, I'm tuning into him. F-I-R-S-T, is he first in my troubles? If you can say he's first in my finances, interests, relationships, schedule, troubles, that's a great sign he's first in your life. Because when you invite Jesus into the driving seat of your life, he comes in by his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. So here's another test. How fruity are you? <laughs> if you're lacking love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, it probably means He's not in the driving seat. 
And it might mean that you have to reposition Jesus. So later on, when I invite those people to receive Christ, maybe for the first time, those of you to come back to Christ, I'm also going to invite those of you who feel that you need to reposition Jesus. Maybe you do need to take him out of the trunk. Maybe you do need to take him from the back seat. Maybe you do need to reposition Jesus in the driving seat of your life. And I'm going to invite you to come out here to say that today I'm doing this. On Sunday, the 30th of April, I am doing this. Forgiveness from the past, new life here today. Thirdly, a hope for the future. Back to the verse. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, so whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. A lot of people's hope is a bit like a hospital gown. You're usually not as well covered as you think you are. You know, many people are a bit like, I hope so, but they don't seem to have much hope. Now, according to the Bible, the length of a good life, the length of a good life is three score years and ten. Now, three score years and ten means 70 years. So according to the Bible, the length of a good life is 70 years. Okay, now let's allocate 10 years per day of the week. 10 years for Monday, 10 years for Tuesday, 10 years for Wednesday, 10 years for Thursday, 10 years for Friday, 10 years for Saturday, 10 years for Sunday. Okay, right, let's analyze my life. I have already walked through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm Sunday morning. How's your weekend looking? <laughs> now, you're probably thinking, oh, wow, J. John looks good. Not bad, eh? You're trying to work out my age. Well, I'm Sunday morning. Now, some of you are sitting there and you're thinking, I'm older than 70. What about my grandparents? Yes, you see, sometimes God gives us an extra Monday. Sometimes God gives people an extra Tuesday. Not many people get an extra Wednesday. But even if you were given an extra Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you lived on this earth for 100 years, do you realize that 100 years is a blip on the eternal screen? It's just a blip on the eternal screen. Listen to what Jesus said. You can, in all the Gospels, Jesus said this, men and women are traveling along one of two roads. Men and women are serving one of two masters. Men and women are building their lives on one of two foundations. Men and women are going into one of two doors. Men and women are heading towards one of two destinies. Heaven and hell. Why? Why would Jesus say that if it wasn't true? This is not a game. It is about our past, it is about our present, and it is about our future. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, so whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In Jesus, we can have an endless hope. Without Jesus, we have a hopeless end. What is Christianity? Listen, 
It can be explained in hundreds of different ways. I've just explained it in one way. It's an invitation. Who's it from? Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Who's it to? You and me. What's it about? Forgiveness from the past, new life here today, a hope for the future. RSVP, Responde si vous plaît. Sunday, 30th of April, 2023. What have you done with your invitation? If you've already accepted the invitation, then you become the invitation. You become the invitation. Wherever you go, wherever you go, your neighbors, your family, your friends, your colleagues, your community, you, you carry the invitation to others. If you haven't yet accepted the invitation, accept the invitation today. Maybe you did a while back, but you got diverted. Well, you're here now, or you're, you're tuned in now. God's spoken to you. Come back, pick it up. Maybe your commitment is a bit penciled, and what you need to do is to ink it in. Ink it in today. Some of you need to reposition Jesus. You know, I, I got an invitation from 10 Downing Street in London, and the invitation was from the Prime Minister, inviting my wife and I to go and have tea with the Prime Minister. And I read the letter, and I, I, well, I thought, no, it, no, there's no way the Prime Minister wants us to go and have a cup of tea. I, and I thought, oh, hundreds of people have been invited. And um, I don't know, and I was in two minds, you know, should we go, should we not go? Oh dear, you know, because sometimes they can be exhausting events, you know, and I, I'm assuming now there's gonna be hundreds. And, and in the end, we thought, oh, well, let's go anyway. So we arrive at 10 Downing Street, and, and I was right. People are just pouring in. They're just pouring in through security. See, I said to my wife, I told you, it's not just us. It's loads of people. And all types of people were pouring into Den Downing Street. And we go into this huge reception room, uh, very stately. And, um, and we're all there, and we're kind of mingling. And then I, got a, I get a tap on my shoulder. And uh, Reverend John, I said, yes, come with me. I said, why? <laughs> well, I want to know where we're going. Uh, come with me now. Where are we going? Well, follow me and I'll, I'll tell you. Well, you know, give me a bit more info. Anyway, my wife and I, we follow this guy. Duh, 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 duh. We're taken into a private room, a private room. And the guy says, wait here. The Prime Minister will be with you in a moment. You see, and there was me thinking, oh, it's not an invitation to me. It's an invitation to loads of people. Well, in fact, we did. We had, we had this private time with the Prime Minister. And I put my hand, I was praying, I was prophesying, I gave the truth. You know, listen, listen, that's just an earthly Prime Minister. The King of Kings is inviting us. Can I invite the worship group to come back? What we're going to do, we are going to, I've requested that we're going to sing one of my favorite songs, Amazing Grace, written by a Brit. John Newton. John Newton said this. Let me quote you what he wrote. I have broken all of God's Ten Commandments. He said, I coveted, I lied, I stole, I committed adultery, and I murdered. He wrote this. But then I discovered this amazing grace. His name 
is Jesus. And Jesus ransomed, healed, restored, forgave him. And, it, and, and he, along with William Wilberforce, uh, did in remarkable things, both in England and around the world. Amazing grace. Would you all please stand? When we begin to sing Amazing Grace, if you know you need to receive Jesus, if you know you need to come back after a period of absence, if you know you need to reposition Jesus, then at the moment we start singing Amazing Grace, please come out. Please just come out. Just move out of your rows. Come down here at the front. And when we've concluded the song, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray the prayer to receive Christ and reposition Jesus. I'm then going to say a prayer for you, and then I'm going to hand back to Pastor Rodney, and I'm sure he'll, he'll have a word for you or whatever. That's what we are going to do. So, as we begin to sing Amazing Grace, this is your opportunity. Come out of the rows, come down the aisles, come to the front. Come now. Come. 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 those of you here at the front, just close your eyes. You don't need to close your eyes to pray, but sometimes it helps not to be distracted. I will pray a prayer. I will pray it line by line. I'll pray it once so you know the words. The second time I pray the prayer, pray the prayer out loud with me. Wherever you are here in this sacred sanctuary, join in and reaffirm your faith. If you're tuned in online, 
pray the prayer with us. Here's the prayer. Jesus, I bow before you now. Jesus, I bow before you now. I acknowledge you as my Lord and God. I acknowledge you as my Lord and God. Thank you for your great invitation. Thank you for your great invitation. I know I have done many things wrong. I know I have done many things wrong. And I thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I receive your invitation. I receive your invitation. Cleanse my life. Cleanse my life. Set me free from the past. Set me free from the past. Heal my life. Heal my life. I invite you into the driving seat of my life. I invite you into the driving seat of my life. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your peace, your presence, your power. Fill me with your peace, your presence, your power. I choose this day, I choose this day to put you first, to put you first in my finances, in my finances, in my interests, in my interests, in my relationships, in my relationships, in my schedule, in my schedule, in my troubles, in my troubles. Help me from this day on, help me from this day on to build my life on you, to build my life on you. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. Amen. A prayer for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I announce and I pronounce his forgiveness. May you know his cleansing. May you know his healing. May you know his presence. And we pray that you will protect all of us, Lord. And we pray that you would bless us in the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that we will be a blessing to others. For your glory we pray. Amen. This program has been brought to you by the friends and partners of Revival Ministries International in Tampa, Florida. For more information on the ministry of Drs. Rodney and Adonica Howard-Brown or for additional resources, visit Revival.com.